Before we get into the episode, I want to make clear that this is a live episode that is being posted after the fact. There are some audio issues that are present because of this, but we wanted to go ahead and put the episode out for anybody who wanted to listen to it in spite of these. Just to give you warning, there is some echoing here and there from other microphones. There's the occasional static that is introduced somewhere, but in case you wanted to listen to the episode, here it is. Enjoy. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey guys, episode 250. Are we live? We're live right now. This is the cold open. You've completely ruined it. I can't believe you've done this. What happened? <laughs> Excuse me, I was a bit slow to the draw. I don't know why the black screen over there just has like like little white star fizzles on them. Oh, that's... Your TV's failing. My TV is failing. Well, hey, guess what, guys? This is Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and physically alongside me is Mr. Oh, Chris Fix. Yeah, I don't I don't know how loud he's going to be. Guys, we're having to mess with audio stuff here to some degree, so if Chris is too quiet or too loud, y'all just yell at us and let us know. Apparently, I'm quiet. Am I still quiet? How am I compared to Brett? I'm like kind of monitoring on my phone as well. Yeah, I don't know. We shall see. Uh, what? No, you can't hear anything. Don't worry about it, Andrew. Uh, anyway, guess what? We're here for episode 250. So once we get a quick little feel of making sure our volume is where it should be, we will continue on. It looks like Jehudi says we're all good. Jehudi, nice to see you. Glad Hello. you're here. Matt, same for you. Hope I'm louder for you now. Hope Chris is good as well. Uh, we are going to do our best here. If we have any issues, chat, just keep us honest. Keep us good. Let us know. Look forward to answering live questions from you guys. Haven't done that in a long time. Um, Chris, I'm going to get you up a little bit. I can turn Chris up a hair, so that's not an issue. Get me up, Brett. I will get you up. You ready? Big ups. You ready, Chris? Go ahead. Big ups. Big How's ups. The sound? You should be good to go now. All right. Uh, clearly, we have a couple things to do here. The other thing to do is finish up introducing... Oh, man. Saw Bridges, mm -hmm. episode 250. Lucky episode 250. Yeah, is it lucky? I feel like we've faced issues. Yeah, but I'm here. But we overcame them. Chris is here. And what is luck if not overcome We're still going to get food. Oh, ring is out. True. Pretty lucky. 97 on Medicare. Yes, yes, true. That is absolutely the case. Um, this is an odd setup. I don't feel like I'm ever used to being directly in front of the camera, but here we are. Uh, with that said, we are going to kind of do a normal episode uh, for the first part of this. We're going to stream out um, just kind of going through an episode, talking through uh, different news pieces. Uh, whatever topics you guys want to throw at us uh, that you want to hear our thoughts on, you're more than welcome to do. Like I said, answering questions live for anybody who's in the chat with us. And from there... Uh, we will uh, close the show out as per usual for an episode that we can send out and let other people listen to uh, before we will go down for a little while, move everything into the game room, reset up, and then we're going to get the festivities started with uh, having Chris and Saul go head-to-head -head with who can get furthest. And, uh-oh, B-Money's here. I think I know who that might be. Also, my dogs are barking. Is that Ghost of Blake? No, it's not the Ghost of... <laughs> no, the Ghost of Blake Popes is... Uh, I don't think he's here yet. 
So we will see if the ghost of Blake Popes joins us. Uh, but until that time, uh, we're going to get this show started off the right way. So still, no matter if it's live, we're going to do this time-honored tradition. Chris, what have you played this week? Uh, Elden Ring. A little bit of Horizon, but a lot of Elden Ring. You know what? Respect. Yeah. Respect. I, tr- I tried to play Horizon. I wanted to like it more, but Elden Ring came out. And I, you know, it went from my least hyped game to my most hyped in uh, the matter of 100 hours with Sekiro. So. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that could happen. Uh, I'm, did you play any of uh, Witch Queen? Yeah, I've played the first two missions of Witch Queen. (laughs) I was record scratching for a second. You definitely were. That's okay. Yeah, I played the first two missions of Witch Queen. Um, I did a lot of Momentum Crucible just to play Destiny but not do the story. And it was fun. Witch Queen's really good. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, Saul, you've been playing Witch Queen as well, right? Yes. About halfway through the story. Okay, how far are you? <laughs> two, two missions in. Do you not listen to this man? Well, I'm saying, like, if, you had to, if you're calling it halfway, how many missions are there? I, I don't know. I think there's 19. Oh, God. Okay. And I'm, I'm Hold on, on. That's quest steps, right? Well, quest steps, yeah, but I think each quest step's a mission, I think. That seems like a pretty long campaign, actually. Yeah, I mean, there was there's a couple missions, like, where you have to solve a little puzzle, and then, like, it, it does go to, like, a, like a, a world, and then Sabathun talks to you for a minute, and then it ends. Okay. So they're still like kind of short missions, but then but legendary difficulty is not not anything to mess around with. That's no, no joke. Yeah, it's really fun. But that first mission is really long. It is, they're all like that. They're all that long. Really, it's, it's real weird. Like yeah. strike length missions or long no longer longer, longer. Mm. like two strikes. Yeah. Okay. Each mission feels like a strike though, which is good. Oh yeah, it's not a complaint, but it yeah. is long. Oh, that's not an issue. I mean, Chris, I'm trying not to block your lovely face there. But at the same time, I can't do the Saul. We were talking about how Saul just dissolves into his chair as we sit. Yeah, I, th- I said the uh, the perspective of our height is really off in this. Yeah. You never really would think, if looking at how Saul sits, that he is like an inch or two shorter than me, Max. Yeah, like six one, six foot, somewhere in there. Yeah, so. Chris, were you surprised at how tall we were? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else has said that before. Uh, Oh, well, Eric, Eric has said that. Eric was like, I think that was Eric, who's like, y'all are taller than I expected, because Eric's tall. I mean, Eric, yeah, Eric's pretty tall. I don't know. The, the Height is a weird thing, because I was telling like Chris before you came, it was like, I have to assume that Chris is certain heights <laughs> and hope that these things work out for accommodating you over here at the at the house. I was like, I don't know, man. You know, using visual cues, I'm going to say that Chris is 5'8 to 5'10". And you seem pretty much right around that. Yeah. 5'10", 5'11", maybe. I tell people I'm 5'10". Whether I am or not is a doctor's <laughs> decision. <laughs> well, my driver's license still says 6'3". I don't know if that's actually true anymore. Years of back pain makes me think I've probably compressed at least a half an inch. Yeah, I, I slouch. And then when they measured me to get my driver's license last, it was 6'1". But I'm pretty sure I've slouched yeah. and lost an inch there. Yeah, so, you know, it's okay. Losing an inch doesn't have to be anything. Hey, look, Chris, you got a question from uh, Jehudi. says, Chris, did Elden Ring pull you away from Horizon because of Elden Ring itself or because of something about Horizon? Uh, it's, I think, both because I was playing Horizon and I wasn't super into it. And then Elden Ring came out and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um I'm going to play Horizon. I want to finish it and get the trophies and the plat and all that stuff. But it was more 
Elden Ring came out, and I was just like, I don't feel the drive to play Horizon over this, so Elden Ring, baby. Yeah, you know, uh, there's that thing from a, like a lot of people. There's so many games came out right in this little sort of thing, so it was like Destiny has Witch Queen popping out. Of course, there's Horizon, and then there's Elden Ring. And I remember like in our Discord for Destiny, there was this thing where it's like people could be like, wait, you're not going to play Witch Queen day one? I'm like, no, I just played 150 hours of Destiny. I can, I'm good. Yeah, I'll play it in a little while. I'll be okay. Um, and then you kind of get that thing where it's like, would you, are you not playing Elden Ring day one? Well, no, because I'm pretty sure I can play Elden Ring and Destiny at the same time, like I was telling you. Yeah. Where I think being so story focused with Horizon, I'd rather just stay on that story, ride the wave, and then get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I I think Horizon is a good game, but I don't think it goes past that. Or at least it hasn't for me yet. Yeah, you're still very early. Yeah. I've seen, and I even agree with the sentiment for the most part, that the game really starts to either click or not click if it's not going to mm-hmm. uh, once you actually get into the Forbidden West. Oh, I bet. And you are kind of, you're in the dot right now, correct? Yes, but I could go to the Forbidden West at any point. Okay, yeah. But once that starts going, there's a lot of story stuff that starts to happen. Like, you, you're not even... You haven't even technically gotten the setup, right? Like, you're still in Roxas Kingdom Hearts 2 kit territory. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> but I know... You know, where it's like, you you understand there's stuff going on, but you don't really understand what's really going on. Uh, maybe. I mean, I got my staff destroyed, if that helps. There's, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of setup, like, I found yeah. out... Yeah. Who's a volley yeah, and you, stuff. You, you, so. <laughs> <laughs> who, who Commander Reddick is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Judy says it's interesting because many other podcasts have had similar sentiments. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't have the feeling that Elden Ring would tear me up away from Horizon if I were to start it for any reason other than I have weird hyper focus with games. If I'm playing mm-hmm. a game, it's pretty much all I do. And it's really hard for me to do both. Certain games I can try and pull it off with, and I think that the way that Souls games and you know basically FromSoft games always end up playing out, there's this feeling that I have of being able to do it in a somewhat passive way because you know that you're not going to hit with you're not going to get hit with story cutscenes every two seconds. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like whereas Horizon, I've got to be on the the cusp of the the annoying thing that Saul hates, which is it does have its moments where it's like, hey, we have a cutscene, and then we're gonna have you walk twenty feet and touch something. Oh my gosh! And then a cutscene again, and it's like, dude, you could have just moved my character over there in the cutscene, and I would not have been mad. Um, So you have that kind of going on, and I think in Horizon, I want to pay attention to the story so much that. Elden Ring is like, okay, I can play that, get into it, and still get the lore that's explained to you in a very loose, you know, kind of connect-the-dot-yourself kind of way, and then still play something like Destiny, which I feel like is a very... It it is a story, but it's not as... Important. Well, it's not even that. It's like, right, Horizon's continuous. Like, as you play, you're not loading between missions. Mm -hmm. There's something about games that let you do things in missions where it's like they feel like they're more bite-sized as a result. They do. Yeah. I saw you got a question. Ready? Yeah. So far, ranking of Elden Ring among other Soulsborne games. Uh, top three, for sure. Um, it definitely has booted one out in terms of contending for the top three. So it's Bloodborne three and Elden Ring so far. 
But then again, okay, so here's my experience with it. So that's obviously what I've been playing this week was Elden Ring. On top of a little bit of Witch Queen, I went through the story started as a Vagabond, which is like a strength dex quality class. And I went through, for those who have played without like spoiling anything, I, I got to Stormvale Castle. And then I was like, you know, I, I do this in every Souls game. I restarted. And I restarted. I went through like a sorcerer class, and I'm like, this is fun. Um, but I don't want to do this for my first true playthrough. So I restarted that last night. And this morning, I picked it back up, and I, I restarted as Confessor, which is like a church assassin. He's like a priest. It's really cool. Um, I, 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 com- I went a completely different route than the route you're supposed to go. I went kind of south to explore, and I ended up finding a mace, and I ended up getting teleported. And I got a talisman that's really... Actually, now that I think about it, I found a mace, and I found a healing talisman, which is perfect for like an evil cleric. So, so far, I'm just having a blast. So... So one thing that you said that's kind of weird there, right, is the biggest curiosity I have over Elden Ring and that I didn't go the route you're supposed to go. So that's an interesting thing because, like, in Souls games, you can always somewhat go off. Like, most Souls games have a... Well, I'll say that. Right? Dark Souls 3 doesn't. You, you have to get to Idex Gundir before you can do anything else. Right. Um, and I don't know if this game is similar or not. It seems like you have to do, uh, whenever we did the install yesterday, Chris, and mm-hmm. you had to fight the oh. Godric's soldier or whatever it's Scion called. Scion or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, oh, though... Oh, never mind. That's, that's after the Scion, technically. That's in mm-hmm. the tutorial cave. Well, yeah, yeah. The tutorial. I ran around, and that's as much as I played of Elden Ring. Chris was installing it on... Uh, or yeah, it was installing on my PlayStation, and Chris was playing on mine before he pulled his out um, on his account. So I was just running around. But I guess that much is similar. Does the game basically constrain you Oblivion style, to where it's like, well, you're, this is the area where you're going to learn everything, and then once you're out, you're saying that you went a different route, right? Well, but it's the like, game doesn't just throw you into the world of Elden Ring and go figure it out. Well, it's like Dark Souls Three. There's a very brief area in which you get to Firelink. And then you, once you get to Firelink, you kind of progress through, but you have to progress through in a way, like a certain way. That's kind of how this is, but it's like you get to, um, what is it called? Limb? Why am I blanking? What is the, what is the area called? Limb, limb, limb something. Right, Chris? Do you remember? Limgrave. Limgrave. So you get, you open the door and Limgrave's in front of you. And then your bonfires have like this little wisp that kind of points to the direction you're supposed to go. Okay. But then I just ignored that and went, completely opposite directions and explored so there is something that kind of shows you which way the game would prefer you to go yes are bosses completely up to you to be in any order that you want or I, do you still i have fought three different mini bosses at three different times so i don't know about boss bosses like story bosses too hard to tell right yeah, now. yeah i can't tell right now yeah that's kind of my thing is like it's something that people didn't like in um and it's a very different game so i'm only using it as a comparison point because i could see this it would be interesting to me if elden ring suddenly introduced this idea of you've got to fight certain bosses in order but when you move something from an area to where you're locked out until you complete something that opens up something like Bloodborne, for example, right? You can have you can have interesting side bosses that you don't have to fight that you can go off the beaten path and go to. But it's not like at the beginning of Bloodborne you can go off and fight Rom the vacuous spider. No, you know and, what I and, mean. And this game is, I'm pretty sure there's just difficulty checks of like what you can and cannot fight. Well, see, like because how hard it is. I guess like my curiosity there is like Bloodborne that works because it's hub areas that are gated and open and closed. But if you're moving to an open world. 
some people didn't like this about Shadow of the Colossus in where you had to fight the Colossi in order. Like, do you remember, like, you, yeah. you'd defeat one and then you'd go to aim your sword and it would go to the next one. Right. And every single time you played that game, you knew, well, this is Colossi 1, 2, 3. They never change. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know if it was going to be like that, where it's like, we're going to give you an open world and you can still explore it at your own leisure. But we're going to re- we're going to require you to defeat the bosses in order because we want to tell you some version of a story or build it to where the bosses and the mechanics that you have to learn and play off of are things that you learn gra- gradually as you continue playing the game. Like It would be kind of interesting if there was a very boss-heavy game like Elden Ring or a boss rush game where it was just like, go fight the bosses in whatever order you see fit. But I don't know. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing. Uh, Jehudi says, I think you can travel to any of the bonfires even if you've not discovered them. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know about that. Okay, that's true. That'd be wild. Uh, is the map, is there a fog of war on the map? Yes. Yeah. You have to go to these little map statues and, and, and download, quote unquote, the map. You have to get like parts of the map for it to be revealed. Okay, so it's basically Breath of the Wild map towers, and no, I say tower. They're just like little. Well, I, mean, I know it's not a tower, but I'm saying same basic functionality at the end of you go there and suddenly it clears that part of the map where you can see everything on your mini map. Or yes. is there a there's oh, no mini, mini there's map? no mini map. I don't mean that because there's a compass. I do know there's a compass bar. Yeah, but you can. I'm assuming you can hit the touchpad and it opens an actual overworld map. Rather on your yeah on your map screen. Okay. And I don't know, Chris. Can you like? Can you see locations you discovered if you don't discover the map first on the no. map? No. Okay. Because you'll just have the the fog of war, but you can travel to uh, Sight of Grace in there. Okay. If you find one. Gotcha. So, yeah, I probably played about seven hours of this game so far, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. Yep, it's excellent. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very. I'm very much enjoying. If we're going to go back and kind of speak on the Horizon versus Elden Ring thing, clearly I'm going to beat Horizon first. But in looking at the, is there something wrong with Horizon? I don't think there is for me. Uh, and of course, I haven't played enough Elden Ring to be pulled. But I will say it's one of those things where I. I don't want to come off as like I'm trying to just crap on the game. But I've had issues that I don't remember having in the first game pretty consistently. And like even I got on for a second yesterday to just show Chris San Francisco which is the furthest west part of the game that you can go. Right. Um, and I wanted to show him something in regards to the performance mode because I was asking him. We had been having discussions over keeping it in 30 and why our reasons were for doing that. Uh, anyway, whenever I was doing it, I just decided to move around to kind of show him something. And even he saw in like a very short segment of me getting on, I've had a lot of frustration with jumping and Aloy's response to jumping like... There's this new freeform climbing thing where it's kind of like you have a, a, an area and you can hit the focus and you can see all the climbable edges, but you choose the ones you want to go up. It's not like Uncharted, okay. like you only have one path up. Okay. Uh, and a, a real original Uncharted. And that's fine. And it makes for a less, you know, it, it's a it's a cooler way of moving around the world because you feel like you have more agency within it. But I feel like that move has made the game a really frustrating when it wants you to do fine movements. So there's these drones that fly around in areas that you can see and you have to climb up up high tower things and jump onto them grab onto the rail and basically pull them down in order to get data from them okay it's just like an extra overworld collector thing that has some significance to the lore of the world but you know nothing crazy um but every single one has left me very frustrated and it never seems to work the way i think it's going to work but there's also been times where i'm in the story doing things that's supposed to be for the story and i'm like i missed that entirely because the game just like 
Chris said it yesterday. Or Aloy without my input changed direction midair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, what is that this? That is real weird. So it's it's frustrating. And it's frustrating in a way that wasn't present in the first game. So it almost has to be that there's this new system that it's trying to account for. And Aloy's like, well, of all the things I can or can't grab... I, I don't want to call it magnetism, but that's kind of what it feels like. Even though yesterday she jumped to nothing. She magnetized to killing herself. Yeah, thankfully I didn't die, but I almost died. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's weird. I do feel like this game is buggier than I would have thought and would have remembered. But it is what it is. I mean, I'm very much enjoying the story. The voice acting is fantastic and way better than it was before, as I've mentioned. And, uh... The story is not a story I would have guessed if you would have t- been like, what do you think is going to happen in Horizon 2? So to that degree, I'm very curious to see where it continues to play off. But there is a niceness to Elden Ring and Souls games, like even Mortal Shell, where it's like, you're going to learn about this world, but it's mostly just you walking through it, seeing how people are, and then understanding how NPCs react. And it's more of like, <laughs> there is a story. But it kind of makes me think as if you were like playing a game like Fallout and you just decided to go walk around a destroyed city and look at it and be like, wow, I'm just kind of walking through the remnants <laughs> of, of something that happened in the past and I'm just living in the results of it. Like I'm living in the consequence. Right. So there's, it's kind of fun for that. Uh, Jehudi, are you talking uh, melee combat, I would assume? If not, if you're talking about combat in general, Combat Horizon is fantastic. I think there's so much more stuff that you can do. Um, I think it's snappier. There's way more skill trees, so you can really build out your character exactly how you want to. Um, Melee is better, and if you want to be big on Melee, there's an entire tree that lets you learn new combos, and it's legit combos like R1, 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 L2, and what does that do? Um, So that's pretty cool. Uh, You can focus your combat being more on overriding enemies uh, and then how they respond when you override. Now, something that we probably all remember, I was talking to Chris about it too because he's been playing the game. Um, Saul, do you remember when they first showed off the big gameplay section on the West Coast in San Francisco, more or less, uh, around the destroyed buildings, and you see Aloy pop the thing into her spear, and it's it's called a Valor uh, thing or whatever. a Valor Surge. I have not used that at all. And I was telling Chris, it's. I feel like it's because I played the first game, but I have felt absolutely zero reason. I don't feel like the game has given me reason to use it. And so I'll forget that it's there. You build up Valor, but I don't feel like the game really tells you that you've built up Valor. I, got, I, don't, I never feel like I'm playing the game and be like, oh, I'm suddenly full of Valor. No. So it's like the game built this new mechanic that is cool, but they've given me zero reason to want to go through using it. Um, so again, it's not a perfect game. It fixes most of the issues that I think were the most egregious from the first game. Um, and that was making you want to move around in the world and, and play and meet these characters. And I think side quests are much better, partially just because characters are much better. Um, but combat's also better. I mean, it's still built off of the bones of the first game, but I think overall it feels really good. Um, I'm hoping that they get performance mode working a little bit better because there's some shimmer on OLED specifically that's worse uh, because of how OLED screens uh, replace the image like 60 times quicker than an LCD panel. Uh, and that leads to a shimmering effect that is on LCD, but it's not pronounced because you get motion blur. So it's... You know, it feels great in 60, but I will say it's it's surprising. I think Horizon's one of those games where I played for like 30 minutes uh, or 20 minutes and 60 frames per second last night, switched to 30 and did fine. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's more visual that you're going to see the difference, but it goes away pretty quickly. It's not as big as a first-person one. I noticed so. it immediately. I'm surprised you didn't notice. Or you you know you were able to adjust. I was I was having trouble adjusting to it. Yeah. Maybe it's cuz you weren't playing it. Maybe. Hey, look, the ghost of Blake Popes is here. Oh my god. Look at these beautiful bastards. Hey, you know what? Thank you, sir. <laughs> the ghost of Blake Popes all alive and in the flesh. <laughs> Welcome. Well, that's not. That's a conundrum. <laughs> I know. That's the point. Alive and in the mist. Blake, I'm glad you're here, buddy. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Continue on. No, I'm good. What, come on, Chad. Uh, Chad? Yeah, Chad. Oh, uh, Chad Kroger. Yeah, it's not actually Chad, though. That's a stain song. Giga Chad. What is his name? Aaron? Um. Hold on. Hold on. DC. I, don't care. <laughs> DC Young Fly. From Wild and Out fam. Oh, oh no. Oh no, fam. All right. uh, Do they see these? (laughs) (laughs) This is getting out of hand, guys. Uh, All right. Let's see. Can I set this up where I can actually read the news from this without? Sometimes I feel like. I know it's a Discord, but I want to be able to keep the. And Discord to the the side of the. Yeah. Alive. All right. I need need more resolutions, boys. All right. Here we are. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hop into news because, of course, we didn't have a community stake. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, remember, if you have anything that has happened that you want us to talk about in the chat, uh, throw it our way and we'll give you our thoughts on it. But the first thing that Chris, who did the news for me today while I was Thank doing you, tech support. Thanks, Chris. Oh, well, I was he getting says, <laughs> He says, Konami has allowed the Silent Hills website domain lapse and someone else has bought the domain name. Was it Sony? Was it Hassan Karaman? Oh, my gosh. Only time will tell. <laughs> the blue box. HK. Hideo Kojima. And <gasps> Karaman means today or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll see what ends up going from it. It was Kideo Hajima. <laughs> you, know, you know what's really weird about that, though, is uh, that pretty much everyone confirmed and reported that... Uh, there was a new Silent Hill games in the work, like a Silent Hill game in the work. Yeah, At least one, two of them. I but think. the the yeah, one's been absolutely confirmed, and the other the other one's been like heavily rumored to the point where it's almost undoubtedly true. So why do you think Konami would let the website domain lapse if they're gunning for? Who it? uses websites anymore? Honestly, I I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> I think it's so weird. But maybe it's because of the generation we come from. I don't ever feel like I visit, like, you know, bands have websites. And the only benefit that they ever have from that is if I want to like, buy band merch, I buy it directly from their site. Wouldn't it just be on the record label's website now? You could, or they could just partner with somebody else, like Merch Now, and you go to Merch Now. What does da- dancegavindance.com look like? So my, my point being is, like, isn't it, it's so weird to me that you're supposed to do that because I absolutely love tons of bands and tons of games, and I have never once been to godofwar.com. No. How much you want to bet this redirects me to Rise Records? If it does, then... Oh, I that's about Dance Wrong. Hold on. It's going to redirect me to... <laughs> it's going to redirect you to uh, a, a, a sketchy porn site, so... It doesn't exist. Oh, this is sketch. Concert dates and tickets. T-shirt. Open door okay. offer. He's uh, dance gathering. <laughs> that's, a, that's, 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 that's a fishing website. That's a fishing website. <laughs> that's not real. You can get your nets and everything there. Godofwar.com. Um, it just redirects you to PlayStation.com. Yeah, which is good. 
so having the no name is fine because you don't want someone else to be fishing from godofwar.com but having a dedicated website seems weird does it not so i don't know uh I don't know, because does that mean that they would feel a need with this new Silent Hill game, too? Well, hold on. This is specifically Silent Hills? No, it's Silent Hill. Sorry. Okay. It was supposed to have an apostrophe. You know what? Speaking of old Hassan, where is that game at? Also, we were looking... Yeah, it's been abandoned. Uh, we were looking. <laughs> I had to make room for Elden Ring last night. And the funny part was that we were kind of in this situation of like, uh, what do we delete? And I was going through and I saw abandoned. And I said, why is abandoned? Oh, look, Blake. What is this first? Two month subscriber. Blake, you love it. He says, it's pot friend. Is that the dude from <laughs> Elden oh, Ring? Elden Ring. That's, that's pretty sick. Um, I haven't seen him yet, but I know he's there. Dang. Oh, but Abandon's app is 5.6 gigs. Of what? CGI. Of what? Different languages. A guy taking 10 steps <laughs> on a wooden board? Does he even take 10 steps? I think it might be more like three. I know yeah, Hideo like, Kojima clue. 100 years? <laughs> oh, God. The porn. The porno. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. I forgot they locked the Blue Box Conspiracy subreddit. Oh, they did they? Well, you know, what was this? We're supposed to see more about Abandon at the beginning of the year, and we're about to be yeah. in March. So we're about to be done with Q1, and we've not heard anything. The bigger thing about this is that Sony hasn't, like, again, the most confusing aspect is that Sony hasn't just been like, yeah, this is, uh, we're going to just drop this game. Maybe Which be, makes yeah, it yeah. feel like it's something more than what they're saying it is. No matter what you do, it something stinks. It's Mark Cerny's uh, team. <laughs> this is nepotism. It turns out that Hassan Karman is related to Mark Cerny. It's like, guys, just let him make his game. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like we would have killed. We would have killed this by now. Oh lord, what is going on, Blake? You, Blake's flipping tables in the chat. Chat. I need you to restrain Blake. I need you to restrain him. Um, okay. Next thing up on the news, according to reports from Tom Henderson, Call of Duty 2024 is being delayed. <laughs> I see what you did here. Yeah. I see what you did here. You saw? You saw the controversy? We're, we're sticking it to the man. Yes, we are. The one man. <laughs> The sequel to 2019's Modern Warfare will still be releasing this year alongside a supposed new offering of a free-to-play game in the series, something to do with Warzone. Uh, should the reports be true, this will be the first time in 18 years that we have gone without a yearly Call of Duty release. You know what's funny? One of the first things that people were saying whenever the Microsoft acquisition was announced is, maybe we'll finally get a year without, without Call of Duty. And that seems to be true happening take that jason schreier (laughs) i almost didn't catch it but i was like wait a minute i remember this um okay yeah that's that's interesting i mean do y'all really think a year without call of duty is gonna this is a genuine question like what do you think the impact is on the games industry uh i think Positive, negative, neutral, more, any? More games are going to get delayed in November. It depends. I mean... Um, oh, you think games will try to fill up the slot that it would have been at? Well, that, yeah. Because it yeah. won't be there from a competition standpoint? They, they brought it up on Sacred Symbols, and it's a good point, where we'll probably get a bunch of unfinished games that are like, we have to hit this time because there's no Call of Duty, so we're going now. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. GTA 6 is our 2023 Call of Duty. Do you think another shooter game tries to be like, is this EA's next Battlefield blunder? Maybe they'll rush Titanfall 3 and be like, it's time. We're giving you an open slot. <laughs> Listen, guys, this is the year. There's no Call of Duty. Yep. We can market this title as from the creator of Modern Warfare. <laughs> Actually, could EA do that? Could they put that in the box? Because yeah. it's just a statement. It's true. They did with Titanfall 1. Did they? Okay, I couldn't remember. Uh, actually, it's because uh, Titanfall 1 was an Xbox exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> and true. I didn't play it until far later. Um, it's a great game. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Uh, I don't... Like, so is it a positive? Because more ga- uh, games might get visual like games might get eyes on them that they normally wouldn't get because of the fact that you have to account for call of duty every year or is it an issue of games are going to be rushed to fill the slot so it's a net negative that's kind of the curious thing like from a monetary business standpoint i don't even want to act like i would understand how that would impact i don't it seems like that would only impact Activision, but does that also impact like retailers who rely on like guys? We really need Call of yeah, Duty. Like, is PlayStation but... actually kind of like crap right now because they're yeah. just like, oh god, what can we do here? Because Call of Duty, every time it releases, we make a billion dollars and in our twenty percent. You know, I think it's more just a thing of like. Or thirty percent, rather. It depends on what they do because they're they're talking. You know, when Henderson reported this first, he was talking about how. Uh, what is the joke here? Okay, let's we'll go ahead and cover it for anybody else. Tom Henderson apparently was doing something on stream, and somebody ended up saying, "Hey, Call of Duty's getting leaked or whatever." So he ended up making a tweet about like, "Hey, apparently Call of Duty uh, is not getting uh, Call of Duty 2024 is being delayed," and Jason Schreier quote tweeted him and said, "Source." Bloomberg said, if you're going to try and be a journalist, you can at least cite your sources. And then he responded, if you're going to try and be a journalist, maybe you should get your articles out with the news that you claim I'm sourcing from you. (laughs) (laughs) It was just an interesting thing. It was, you know, the the next heavy round of Jason Schreier blocks were done. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even, you know what's funny? I don't even have any strong feelings toward him other than the fact that he has, my biggest problem with him is that he blocks everyone for nothing. He's a great author and he's super annoying. Yeah, so. But like I was saying, Tom, um, Tom Henderson led the way on this Call of Duty story. He talked about how there's probably going to be more content released next year for Modern Warfare 2. So you don't it won't necessarily be that there's a Call of Duty sized hole right. in the in the games industry more so than that it won't be that hole won't be being or I shouldn't say a whole, right? It just won't be new Call of Duty. It'll be new content for existing Call of Duty. Right, exactly. I mean, that seems that makes sense. I mean, definitely at that point, I'm sure micro, I mean, Microsoft, well, I guess it is Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft Activision would love to be able to just continue to pull more out of Modern Warfare if they can. I mean, that's, um, that's what they should And if you can just team. market themselves and be like, hey, uh, this is a big, huge expansion that this is this year's Call of Duty, right. then you can still put that off. But I mean, at the same time, if 20, if I don't know, I don't know. Is it 2024's Call of Duty or 2023's? 2024. 2023 okay. is Modern Warfare 2. I thought 2022 was Modern Warfare 2. I thought this year. Pretty sure you gave me wrong years here, buddy. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I, tr- I thought it was a deliberate joke because it got delayed to 2024. Oh, wait, we're in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Well, I thought the 
what, Modern Warfare 2 is this year. The Call of Duty after Modern Warfare 2 is being league. delayed. The, the next Treyarch title. <laughs> yes, the next um, Treyarch title. We got a question here from Jehudi in relation to this. He goes, but are the new, are, are the Call of Duty diehards, um, will they try any other games? Sales overall, too. That's a good point. Um, that actually is a point. No, no, but like Chris says, there's, there's something that they're planning to do to not drop the audience. Right. Because I don't, I think. Tom Henderson. Yeah. You, you, want, <laughs> you want to retain your playership. So even if you can't provide them with a new game, you find a way to make something seem bigger than it might even really be just to satiate them, to keep. You don't, you wouldn't want your audience to go and have an opportunity to actively seek out another game to fulfill right. their playtime um, when you you're at that size. You don't want a Call of Duty fan to realize that there are other games that exist. Blake has probably been waiting for me to read this for a while. He says, I cannot wait for Horizon 3. I'm, and he's talking about Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, Forbidden West, whatever the next one will be called. He goes, I'm so excited to see what the next best game ever is. <laughs> My man Letta, we're cracking out in our chat. Elden what do y'all let him do? I mean, I, I asked chat to restrain him, and sadly, I've seen no restraints. No one's put chains, ropes, anything. He's into that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think he became a ghost to begin with? But oh, I no. To answer Jehudi's question, in my opinion, anyway, I don't think that Call of Duty gamers are really who they go for, really. Like, Call of Duty diehards are not who is buying Call of Duty. It's the Casual. 10 million other people yeah. who are buying Call of Duty because Which, every other game is scared of November, so they don't release. You know, well, that's true to an extent. Where I, but I think what he really means by diehards, and it's interesting because in a way that's kind of where they end up being in a, in a very odd sense of... The people who are so casual that they're really their one game purchase every year is Call of Duty. Right. Do those people who are arguably, they're not diehards, that's just a, the, the wrong word for them, I guess the right road would be. The casual audience that normally soaks that in, are they going to be willing, with lack of a new game, are they going to be willing to dip their toes into whatever else fills that hole? Because you have that feeling like, oh, there's normally a game here that I play. Am I? And again, I think that that's where. If they really wanted to, like, no new Call of Duty this year, but we've got you covered with. I don't think it would be Battlefield because Battlefield's kind of in a rough spot right now. But yeah, Chris is right. If 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 it was like, hey, we're gonna cut, Titanfall three has been being worked on this whole time. We haven't revealed it on purpose. But guess what? Now's the time. Fine, that's that's good to go off and do. But it'd be curious to see if people would actually move on and try them either. I don't. I think if you wanted to look at a more broad thing and say like, what percentage of Call of Duty casuals? would be tempted enough with the lack of a new game to reach out and actually be like, I'm going to try an RPG for the first time ever. Right. I don't know. Heard a lot about that. Some, <laughs> some right? right? But when I say some, I'm talking about probably less than 5%. Yeah. Call of Duty Diehards are still just going to play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Like, it doesn't... Those will say, oh, there's no new Call of Duty, but I still have Call of Duty to play. Exactly. Yeah. Got to get my skins. Or you, and you might get a couple of people that are like Chris, where it's like, I'll just throw the $60 I would have thrown at this new game into this game's microtransaction setup. So, yeah. It is what it is. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, Mark Cerny, the illustrious producer of The Ooze, has filed the patent for Sony for, quote, accelerated ray tracing. The patent's aim is to make ray tracing less, less taxing on the hardware. Now, this is actually interesting. Mm. 
because one of the things that's going on right now is this feeling of like Gran Turismo 7 is a great example of it where it's like there's ray tracing much like Forza Horizon uh, 5 before it there's ray tracing but it's only available in replays and in menus and in photo mode but it's not running in real time because these games are hyper streamed and they are aiming to hit 60 frames per second if they can uh, even though they have 30 per second, uh, frames per second modes but ray tracing is not an easy thing to do like a good example of that right now off the top right uh have you played cyberpunk at all very little since it's come on ps5 well ps5 if you play it at 30 frames per second which i would not recommend for that game at all but if you do there's ray trace shadows and 90 percent of the time you can't tell that there's a difference and it's it's weird because like ray trace shadows are I wonder if they chose that because that's less taxing on the game's engine than if they would have chose to be like, we're just going to do ray trace reflections. I think ray trace reflections would have been way cooler because seeing all the neon signs of the world and everything shine out in the puddles and glass buildings would have visually been so much more interesting to me than, oh, hey, those cords that are cabled over there actually have full occlusion shadows that make them look like they're actually beside each other. It's... There's, There's been, been games that have shown it off really well, like pretty much Insomniac is <laughs> the studio that's done console ray tracing, uh, in my opinion, to a really big thing. So it's, I, I don't know. I would love to see this be something that could be done, but how do you do it, right? Or is, is ray tracing the thing that they have as an excuse to be like PS5 Pro that has more power so that they can ray trace and all games from here on out will have PS5 Pro support with full ray trace, you know, you know, 60 frames per second with ray tracing, which already exists actually. Again, Insomniac. Uh, Spider-Man's 60 frames per second ray tracing mode looks phenomenal and so did Ratchet and Clank's. So I hope that this means something good, but how do you guys even feel about ray tracing? Like, do you care at all? I don't care. Me neither. I play everything on performance mode because I can't. I don't want to look at anything less than 60 FPS, so I never see him anyway. You should have heard my reaction whenever he booted up Horizon in front of me for the first time. I said, ugh! Because <laughs> he was running in 30 frames per second. I was like, that. He and 100% immediately, did. Two he did. seconds, I saw it. Yep. Um, so, uh, it's weird. If they could find a way to have accelerated ray tracing be... Where the the game the the goal of it is to make it to where you can do sixty frames per second performance mode with ray tracing easier, then awesome. I would love it. When ray tracing works really well, again, handful of examples, um, it looks great. And I played the entirety of Ratchet in the uh, performance ray tracing mode, and it looked phenomenal. And it ran at a solid sixty frames per second. When it's there, it's amazing. But. I feel like it's one of those things where right now, not having ray tracing in your game is not this like, oh my god, can you believe it? Because most games don't have ray tracing in them. And when they do, Cyberpunk has it and you don't even know. Because it only affects a very small amount of things that you can visually see. So it's cool, but I wonder if this is actually going to be of any concern. Time will tell. Just like we have to deal with right now Mark Sony's patents for... Uh, Backwards compatibility, uh, compatibility through CPU m- mimicking, basically yeah. dropping your thing. So we will see. Um, what, what is this? Uh, Blake? Oh, I see. Yeah, I see what Blake I said. Too. He said a dirty word. <laughs> yeah. It's also, you know, dramatic. You know, dramatic irony over here. 
at Chris yesterday. We were playing Rock Band because Kyrie wanted to play Rock Band when we got home. And Chris chose to play Still Alive, the Portal theme song. Uh, and I completely forgot that in the middle of that thing, there's, he's talking about the cake and trying to describe it to make it sound good. And it's like, it's so M word with a hard T. Um, so, <laughs> And uh, it was funny. Chris was so into trying to drum. Was that no? You were you were guitar. He was so into it that I said it, and I looked back, and I, he didn't. He wasn't phased at all. But didn't hear you. He set himself up for uh, for an M bomb. I did. Yeah, it's okay. The world of Elden Ring is really nice, though. Like very wet and damp. Oh, okay. I had to throw this out there. This man looked me dead in the face yesterday when I was like, okay, but how do you describe... Because, of course, he, he likes... Uh, he, yeah, he, no, he, he, hates, he hates moisturize without your eyes. Um, and <laughs> this man said, I just say that things are damp. And I said, if anyone ever came up to me, looked me dead in the eyes and says, dude, you got to try this cake. It's, it's really damp. I would puke. I wouldn't really puke, but the thought of eating a cake that's damp would would make me gag a little. I'm just being honest. Because you're thinking of a waterlogged cake. You've got to expand, expand your mind, dude. You know? Let it live. It's like a cake that you just sat in the bathroom while someone took a shower. <laughs> it's, uh, just, it's just getting steamy. Why? <laughs> steamy cake. Oh my that god! That sounds like a euphemism. That does actually. That sounds like a, a, a urban dictionary entry. I bet it is. Hold on. <laughs> I hit her with a steamy cake. See if you can find a damp cake on there too. I feel like this is going to be stuffed with asses. Sabathussy's got a damp cake. Sabathussy's here to rain. He's got damp cakes. All right, next thing up in the news, Jeff Grubb on his premium giant palm show Grub Snacks. That's actually, that's good. Has potentially revealed PlayStation Spartacus pricing and business model. Now, this is actually kind of an interesting thing. Uh, the pricing for the three tiers is supposedly, and he said it's still kind of in the movement right now, but that's what he's heard, $10.00. For what is essentially the PS Plus as it is now, uh, Essentials, which is the $13 one, and it's PS Plus versus a kind of revamped form of PlayStation Now, which considering the cost savings there, that's actually a pretty good deal. It is not. And then $16 tier, uh, that I can't remember the name of, uh, that adds classic games. Grub doesn't seem to know what that means, but one can guess it would potentially have PS1 and PS2 games. And as Chris and I were talking last night, the 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 big what if is where do PlayStation 3 games fit into this? And do people care? And then more importantly, like I said, I think if you if you look even at $16 a month and you just add a lot more PS3 games to PS Now, and keep you streaming. I don't think it's a big move. I think the biggest issue you're going to face with that, if the answer has to be, guys, there's no way we're going to get PS3 games running on this system. It's just too complicated. But what we're going to do instead is, with our new Microsoft Azure partnership that we've done, we've been able to really get our streaming perfected, and you'll be able to play PS3 games with 
we're gonna we're gonna run this we're gonna do everything the xbox does on the console side but we're at least gonna do it in the streaming sector of things so the the, the streaming uh, server rack will be able to up uh put the game up to a native 4k resolution uh it'll be able to give it frame rate boost so you can play the game at 60 frames per second which actually for streaming would be fantastic because it would cut uh input lag time so if, if they could kind of pull that off I think that there's a chance it could work, but that's a big if, right? Uh, you're kind of in this thing of where Google Stadia is the reason that it's a it's as big of an if as it is. There's not enough anything to tell you that yeah, this will work the way that you expect it to work. True, but I don't know. I mean, like, are you against that idea? I mean, like, would that even if that's the solution they come up with? Let's let's not worry about that. If they actually came up with that, would you be interested in that, or would you just play it on your PS3? I was just playing on my PS3. I figured as much. So in the sense, it's still like, it's a cool, uh, it depends. It all depends on how well it runs. If it's impervious to me and I don't really know the difference and I can play Infamous 2 again at 4K60, I, I would. I just don't, any bit of, I guess for me it's like if I own the game on PS3, I'm not going to play it on PS now even if it looks better. And I, I've told you, I think I've talked about it on the show, PS3 games look like garbage. Garbaggio played X-Men Destiny looks like trash but I'd still rather play it than even a little bit of input lag like I don't think the 4K60 is really going to make that better if anything the trying to move it 4K60 streaming is going to make it worse well even if the right even if the stream doesn't resolve out to you at 4K right necessarily if what they're streaming to you in 1080p is in 4K you're going to still get a cleaner sharper image than you would have gotten but that is a big question um he says, uh, Blake's in it. He says, uh, hopefully they get her streaming. Personally, never going to pay for streaming. Um, I do think that that's interesting that they're in this weird situation of where they're not. I feel like the $10 version of PlayStation Plus, and of course, we don't know. This is all rumored and moving ideas. I think Sony would benefit from just saying, like, hey, if you own a game, if you own it, much like xCloud, then. You can play, you can stream the game. Yeah. Now, their argument right now is probably that you can do that with remote play, but take having to have the console out of it. Just say, if you own the game, don't have to worry about trying to connect to your console and taking up the console. All you've got to do is log in on your phone. You can look at all your library of owned games, even on the normal PS Plus thing, and you can stream them. I think that's a reasonable. That would make the most sense if instead of popping a disc in and getting a native version, it was like, hey, you pop a disc in, you can stream it off PS Now. That would still be crappy, but it would be better than nothing. That's what I was going to say, too. Is like If you own the game on PS3, I would get not wanting to buy it again. But if they were like, hey, all you do is pop the, the infamous th- uh, 2 disc into your PlayStation 5, it recognizes that it's infamous 2, and then it launches into the streamable version of it, and, and you can stream it from there. It, but it all depends, right? It's, the mystery is how well do these things work. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, it's all about how much can you actually minimize input lag. Because like, that's, that's the big thing is input time that goes down by having your frame count go up is a huge change for all those things. Um, so I don't know. It just depends. Um, Saul, any thoughts on that? Uh, I just got to wait to see exactly what classic games are going to be. Because right now, if all I'm going to get is like some PS1 and PS2 games, it's not worth $16 a month. But if they give me like Metal Gear Solid 4 and like, you know, pretty cool PS3 games, then sure. Yeah. It's just time will tell. Yeah. There's this idea that goes around like people don't want to play old games. Clearly we all do. Like You you have literally been playing Pokemon Fire Red. Yep. And yeah, it's just 
that simple. It's they, clearly they do. So yeah, but the Andrew's over there looking like he's playing a Switch actually, but no, Andrew is normally playing a DS, a 3DS, or a Game Boy Advance. Huh? Yeah, Rob's time. Look, got it locked and loaded. Keep that thing on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 gonna be curious to see how it is. But the thing that I think is most interesting about this is that not long ago. It shows that there's some changing of tune going on, whether it's because of his own changed mind or someone above him trying to push for it board. Um, do y'all remember a few years back when Jim Ryan was like, why would anybody want to play these old games? They look like trash. Yeah. Uh, that was paraphrasing. That's not his exact words. But he said something along the lines of, like, I watched someone play Gran Turismo on a PlayStation 2 or 1, and it looked terrible. Why would anybody want to play that? You know what, though? I'm not going to lie. I kind of agree with him. <laughs> It's, it's weird, right? Certain games are impervious to it because the way they play or what they are kind of works, right? Pixel art can yeah. get away with certain That's things. That's why Game Boy Advance is the best system of all time. I guess to clarify what I mean more is it's like when GT7 is about to release next week, mm-hmm. who in their right mind is going, I'm going to play GT3? Like if you were telling me like, okay, I want to play, I don't know, Gex, I'd be like, sure. There's no modern equivalent. Legend of Dragoon. Then I'll get it. But why would you? Why would you play GT3? <laughs> Blake is hitting us with the old. Uh, <laughs> that the, was a Don Matrick. The Don Matrick quote. Yep. If you don't want to play, if you if you don't want to play new games, we have a console for you. PlayStation 360. That quote was so bad. Yeah. Because he was talking about military, military members. If the active duty military doesn't want wants to play games, what old game you got over there? Bowder's Gate, Dark Alliance. But right now you can play it on PS3. You can play it on PS4. Or PS5. I, I PS, own it. PS4, yeah. I didn't like it, but it, it exists. You can play it. Wait, hold on, hold on. Why don't you play the old one? Which, Which one, one are you talking about? about? You're talking about the new one that was kind of buggy? collection, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 collection. Okay, he's actually talking about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Which also you can play on PS4. They released it for $30 and didn't do anything to it. But right, right, yeah. yeah and they just announced the second one. Yep, they did. And I love those games, but it's like, come on, guys. I'm not going to pay $30 for a game I have on disc in here. Yeah. That you've done nothing to. That's the thing. Yeah. Just so, uppress it at the very least. Well, that's really what they did. Well, they gave it trophy support. That's hard. They had to insert Not numbers. even a platinum. What? Yeah. Doesn't even have How? It's 2022. My name is Mayo has a platinum. You have no excuse. It's no point putting trophies in a game if you don't put a platinum with it. Exactly. I actually I agree with that. The, the whole thing of like, well, what, what makes a game worthy of a platinum? If you think a game is worthy of trophies at all, it should have a platinum. Otherwise, I would be a lot more reasonable if, if a game developer was like, listen, we didn't really feel like we had enough in this game to justify putting, trophy, uh, putting a platinum in, so we just left the trophies off completely. I'd be like, you know what? At least you're honest. Wouldn't buy the game, though. I know you wouldn't. You're, you're, you're that platinum fiend. Not even though. It's just I like having that there if I want it. Like, I'm probably not going to platinum Elden Ring, but it's there. I can tell myself. It gives for, you motivation exactly. one day. You're like, I can go back and eventually platinum this. And it's, honestly, if, if Elden Ring didn't have the three endings trophy, I would be way more confident. But it do, I can't imagine how much crazy stuff you're going to have to do differently in an open world Dark Souls game. It's probably something I missed at the beginning of the game that I'd have to play it over three times. Not that I won't. It's a great game so far, but... Yeah, you might do that naturally. Exactly. Just because you want to do it. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Okay, I was going to say something, but it doesn't matter now. We're going to move on. Uh, next thing. Oh, God. Read it. Don't make me do this. <laughs> it ends with a joke. You can, you'll be fine. <laughs> Savior of the pop punk genre, Machine Gun Kelly. It's going to be a playable character in WWE 2K22. He is also handpicking the soundtrack. We can only hope that he doesn't choose to also cover them all. <laughs> That's pretty good. Dude, I didn't even know. I've heard his his Paramore Misery Business cover, which is absolute terrible. No, it's so bad. He got a Grammy. Whoa. Dude, the, the, cor- the chorus. No, cover? <laughs> in the chorus, that man is so flat. And I told Chris, he came from the rap game. I know this man knows about auto-tune. Yeah. And he still chose to defy it, which I guess I got to say, props to him, but not props to him for releasing it. <laughs> props to him for not putting it on there and releasing it anyway. He could have just been like, oh, this isn't good, guys. Let's just not do this. What's worse? Um, oh, I'll tell you right now. Numb that or that, that numb cover is worse. Okay, yeah, that was bad. He did a piano ballad know. cover. I don't want to know. Of Lincoln Park. That's one of my favorite songs. I don't want to know. Dude, so my favorite part is you know the caught in the undertow. Just caught. He's like he's like caught in the undertow. Just caught in the undertow. What is what, what did Blake say? Collect five burnt foreskins to get the secret ending. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> Awaken the old one. Eat seven umbilical cords. Mix it into a chili. Serve it at a block party. Bruh. And then you get the ending where you kill the world. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next. Cord Chili. That sounds horrifying. Look, first of all, I want to say, why is this man in WWE 2K22? Because just like him, it's, it's one of those, all fake. It's one of, <laughs> why was this man in Jackass Forever? How was, he in, how was he in Jackass oh, Forever? I'm going to get you that. He, Sorry, was in, he was in a single skit. And the best part about the skit is that Machine Gun Kelly got smacked with a, with a hand. <laughs> with a giant hand. Because he was pedaling faster. Because he... He thought he that thought it was a race. He thought that pedaling faster would get Stevo hit, but it was really whoever pedals the fastest hand comes back on them. So that was good times. That's pretty good. I haven't seen Jackass yet. It's good times. Um, but I don't get. I mean, you know what? I gotta say, good for Machine Gun Kelly. He seems like he's doing way better than he ever was in the other genre. At he's least. married to Megan Fox. No matter what we say, he won. Dude, that cringe interview where it's like, do you remember the first words you ever said to me? I, I, yeah, you walked up to me and said I you smelled weed. like weed, and I said, I am weed. <laughs> I hate Machine Gun Kelly. He looks like a guy who beats kids up in school. Like, even now? Like, yeah. he just walks by the playground, and he's like, guess what? Hangs out at the playground and be like, yo, your beard's weird. <laughs> Standing there eating cereal and then kicks the shit out of a second grader. <laughs> I don't know what Twitch terms of service are, but <laughs> we're pushing them, baby. All right, let's see. Next thing up on the news, Sony has revealed March's PS Plus lineup, Ghost Runner, uh, Team Sonic Racing, Ark Survival Evolved, and an extra this month, Ghost of Tsushima Legends for PS4 and PS5. Uh, it's another solid month for the service, as per Chris's words, but I agree with that. And it leads to the thing, though, still, right? We're hitting yet another point where people are mad that Sony's not giving full games because of it being Ghost of Tsushima Legends. But it's an extra it title. It also is a full game. It's $20 on the PSN store. Oh, is it? Is it been, yeah, that's right. They did break it off as a standalone yeah. release, didn't they? Yeah, it's a full game. Yeah. Well, either way, it's kind of like when people are like, what can you... Oh, oh why are you giving us uh, the... 
Tiny Tina. Tiny Tina, also a full standalone game. I was like, what? I don't, I don't really understand. People were mad about Godfall. Well, that was pretty egregious, I think. I, honestly, I, I don't. I mean, they're still giving you a title that you can play that you didn't have to pay for. Oh, well, yes. But. That has in-game and real stuff there, and all you're doing is skipping all of the story that most people didn't like anyway. Now, don't get me wrong. The quality of the story doesn't go towards whether they should have given it to you or not, to be fair. Um, I'm not a big fan of that idea of, of argumentation. But in general, you know, it's it's... They're giving you a. They're give, It's like if if Avengers, if Avengers, Marvel's Avengers game just gave it to you and like, hey, you don't have the heart. Which I mean, don't wrong. I'm not saying it'd be a good game, but it's there. Of hey, we're gonna give you the game, but you can't play in the campaign. Instead, you can just do end game missions of you know where you can play with other people. Strikes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, their <laughs> version of strikes. I don't know. I I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I guess partially because when I look at PS Plus, and I think the thing that's happening here is that people are hungry for PS Plus to somehow compete with Game Pass. But PS Plus formed a competitor in games with gold because Xbox was like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. And for a while, it was a good competition. But PlayStation stomps all over Xbox games with gold. So we're looking at this at a weird thing. <laughs> Xbox has said games with gold is better. <laughs> Xbox is in our chat. <laughs> Phil Spencer just joined the, the chat. Uh, hold on. Hey, Phil. <laughs> hold on. March 2022, games with gold. And look, I'm telling you right now, Game Pass is a great service, and it has a, got a lot of good stuff on it. I do not even know why they are bothering continuing on with games with gold. So the games with gold this month are The Flame and the Flood, Street Power Soccer, Sacred 2 Fallen Angel, and SpongeBob's Truth or Square. Bro, I've been waiting on Sacred Sacred 2. Is there a first one? (laughs) (laughs) But point being is I think it's interesting to look at what Sony's doing with pretty new and pretty reasonable games and then being like, oh... Never mind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know that I agree with the with the fact that PS Plus is a bad value just because people are giving it a false comparison to Game Pass. PS Plus is a is a necessary service that also gives you free games. I don't really like. I've always not never liked that argument because it's it's a required service if you want to play your console to its fullest extent so yeah much really like much like games with gold is yeah uh and games with gold are just an addition of something that they give you with gold right. and you have to have currently xbox live gold to play online so if we tip for tap what those two things are ps plus is a great service mm-hmm. in comparison to what you're getting there you're getting consistently newer games and consistently arguably more quality games so you know, there were some times where I was disappointed with PS Plus, but I feel like since PlayStation 5's come out, they've really been on it. Yeah, PS Plus, I don't think they've had any truly terrible months. Yeah, so here's where it's at. Yeah, Blake says, for real though, PS Plus craps all over Games with the Gold. Again, I don't know what Twitch is. We, I'm pretty sure we can swear on Twitch. All right, well, hey, PS Plus shits all over Games with the Gold. Yeah, um, big old poopies. But if you want to yeah, do uh, another potentially false comparison, so it's a lot closer. Game, uh, uh, games, uh, games with gold. Game Pass uh, poops all over PS Now. Sure, it's a closer comparison point than well, trying to compare Games Pass to PS Plus. Maybe Microsoft's Azure streaming should be better. Oh no, Blake's kids are in the room. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Okay. Uh, let's see. In a first for the service, Samurai Warriors 3. Now, this is where we get into a point where maybe you can compare even more PS Now to Game Pass. Maybe. Uh, Samurai Warriors 3 will launch day and date on PS Now. Uh, in like a week and a half or two. Uh, this may be a potential hint at the type of things that Spartacus will give players access to, or this may be a weird one-off that Sony wants to try out. And I don't see want what it, it then. <laughs> you don't want it? If this is the hint, I don't want it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they're doing this, but as I've learned with Sony, a one-off does not mean anything. No. So we'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. But I guess the question that you could back, you could back off on this though is why did Sony feel the need to go out and do this, or did Samurai Warriors Three be like, hey, can we go to Game Pass and Game Pass is like, well, we don't want to give you that much money, and they went to PlayStation. They're like, hey, would you be willing to put this game on your service day and date? I, I think I wonder if for this much money, if um, the the contract was signed as like a day one on Spartacus, you get Samurai Warrior Three, which looks fun. And then they were like, yeah, it's not ready yet. And so, so we have to revert this to PS Now. Yeah. That's actually exactly what I thought. I was yeah. like, this seems like this is really for Spartacus, but Spartacus isn't happening exactly the way they intended. Right. So we're going to go with it. Um, we can't get our Legend of Dragoon trophies to pop, so we have to delay the game. <laughs> that ends up being the real scoop. That would actually, I would be like, thank you. Yeah, and then we do it, and then Jason Schreier finds that information out, and he goes, hey, if you're going to try and be a journalist, <laughs> source, Bloomberg. Source, Tom Henderson. Uh, wouldn't it be funny if we could hit him with that, though? Like, if Jason Schreier does come out and go, turns out Spartacus is taking too long because Classics Games trophies are not popping correctly, <laughs> and then we get to go in there and be like, hey, listen, if you want to hey. try and be a journalist, you need to source your... I'm sorry, you're not a Patreon dis- or, uh, subscriber. You'd have seen it early. We don't do that. Fucking Sadly. Uh, anyway, last thing on here. Sony has revealed the design for PSVR 2, and Chris says it looks cool. It does look cool. That's it does about, look cool. That's about the ex- it looks it, it just looks like a VR headset. <laughs> it doesn't even look... It looks a lot like PSVR 1, It actually. does, but that's, that's the but thing is all VR headsets to me look share, yeah, share qualities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big thing about that, everything about that is really most of the things that aren't visible, right? Yeah. It's like the vent that they put above the eyes so that there could be better room in there and not fog your glasses, uh, the, the lenses so easily. That's very important for me. That's super well, important. contacts if I ever get this. Oh, not glasses. It's actually, I'm talking about the lens. So regardless, oh. it would help your glasses as well if you were wearing with glasses inside. Uh, but the actual goal is that even when people who don't have visual issues or you know vision problems put it on, if you're in a hot room or you're doing a certain amount of exercise, like if you're playing Beat Saber and you Have start you to Beat sweat, yet? it'll go. Not on PSVR. No, oh, on Oculus. No, I haven't. Yet. Come on now. It's like reason number two to get it. Okay, I mean, I've played it. I'm not, I don't think it's that fun, to be honest. Oh, man. I mean, to be fair, I have Beat Saber, so you could just download it. <laughs> yeah, but then I'd have to hook up the PSVR. That's also true. Also not doing that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even kidding. Someone asked me the other day. Part of me wants to keep it just for collection purposes, but Mario at work asked me, he's like, hey, would you sell me your PSVR? I was like... $200. Yeah, I would. <laughs> so, I'll sell my PSVR because I don't know that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I loved it for a while, but it was already somewhat dated with... It's, it's honestly, it's the controllers more than anything. Yeah. Uh, if... if 
PSVR has got some great games, and if they had controllers, if they would have just released new Move controllers and said, hey, mm-hmm. uh, two years in, these are the new uh, Move Pro controllers, sure. and game, developers can design with both of them in mind, I would have absolutely done that. Well, um, what was I <laughs> Blake is a bold man. He said, who would have thought Blake is selling a another console? Bold man. You're bold. Hey, Blake, I want you to know PC, something. How's PC gaming going? <laughs> oh, he, have, he has a gaming PC now? No. He bought, <laughs> one, he bought one and sold it a month later. <laughs> How many Switches have you had, Blake? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. To be whoa. fair, we got Saul over here. I was thinking Saul to might. To be fair, I've never, I've never have sold, traded one in. <laughs> He's never traded one in. He sold them. At least I've Blake, never sold them either. At least Blake owns them. You're right. You just own 18 of them and they've all broken. No. I, I know. You've passed one on to Andy. And the, uh, yeah, so so I have had four. No, I bought a switch at launch, <laughs> and then I traded that switch in to get a switch. No, I didn't. What did I do with that switch? Well, you traded a switch in, but I thought it was your light. I, no, I've only ever had one light. It's just the light I have now. Well, I've had two lights, but one went to Annie. But then I had the the oh my my launch switch ended up with a dead pixel. And I gave it to Seth. That's right. So That's I've right. had I've had well I have had four, but I returned one. Yes, because that was the one that like I bought it on Amazon and it was supposed to be there on launch day and I took a couple of days off to play Link's Awakening and then it wasn't going to be there on launch day so I went to Best Buy and bought one and then literally two hours later it showed up at my door and I was like the tracking says Monday and it's Friday so then I had to return it Blake's trying to come in here and like damage control like to be fair I sold my Switch Lite just to get a I'll regular Switch I'll do some damage control for him right Blake's favorite Switch game is Breath of the Wild Right, so I think what he does is he finishes Breath of the Wild and sells the Switch, and then he's like, "I'm going to have an interactive Breath of the Wild experience." So he walks <laughs> to the furthest GameStop he can find, and the GameStop there is a shrine. So he goes in there and the puzzle, and he does a puzzle. Right? Are they? You know what the puzzle here? is? The puzzle is seeing if he can get out of the GameStop without being asked if he's a Pro Rewards member. That's true. Yeah, and no or if one. he would like a GameStop credit card, right? Exactly. They don't do that anymore. So then he walks home. <laughs> Shocker there! And then he jumps off a cliff and glides. <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, so I respect the hustle, Blake. Blake, the only thing I gotta know is uh, where you're at, your area. What's the population looking like? Because if it's any more than like twenty, it's not Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Uh, his shoes break on the way there. <laughs> it's like I need, I got, Bruh, I got to put some leaves on my feet till I find the master shoes. He has bad console durability. <laughs> That's what it is. I couldn't pull the master converses out of the shoe box, so I had to, I had to wear leaves. Bro, imagine walking. I, I wasted the charge on my master. Bro, I was gonna say, look at this pleb halfway to GameStop, and his converse runs out of charges. <laughs> Standing there waiting for it to charge, like the sonic idol of him just tapping his foot. Oh man, that's terrible. So how are we gonna do this? Are we gonna transfer to the other room now? Since yeah, I think. uh, Are we gonna go get lunch and then come back? I mean, I think we need to eat. We need to eat clearly, and then we'll come back and we'll and we'll start the uh, the festivities. Um, Are we through with the episode? I guess so. I I mean, I'm fine with that. But if you have a if you have a topic or community community state, go for it. I thought that'd come in at the end of live stream, anyways. Like, because that would be uploaded. Well, I guess no. Yeah, we should probably do it here. Okay, Um, because I have a topic we can discuss. 
How do you feel about people not finishing their El- the Elden Ring before reviewing the game? That's actually an interesting one. I don't like it when any reviewer does that. So unless it's a bad review, like unless you're saying like this game is is a one because it's uncompletable. So that let me then let me ask you a question because I am on the complete opposite out of the spectrum, right? What are you going to find out by beating the game that you haven't found out over 80 hours before that? I think for me personally, if I'm going to review a game, it, I, I can think and encompass my thoughts about the game better when I'm done with it. Sure. So I think to me, right, the only way like the ending of Elden Ring could change my opinion on Elden Ring is if the game ends and it turns out it's like KKK propaganda, right? Or like Hitler Youth stuff like like if it was so disconnected to it to the point where it was offensive to me, yeah, it, it, that's when it would change my opinion on the game. But if I've put a game for eighty hours and I've played Elden Ring, I don't understand what five more hours to finish it or however long. I don't know. I haven't beaten Elden Ring. Yeah, how much longer you need to play it for your opinion to be valid, well, right? There, there's so many layers in this particular situation because there's variables that happen with every game. How long is the game? How long before review embargo mm-hmm. did they send you the code to play the game? Right. That's that's that. Those are two things. Then the other question that comes in is how story-heavy is the game? Mm-hmm. How much is story going to weigh in on your review? Right? Right. Is it a game? Is it a game that's far more story focused or far more gameplay focused? Well, right. I think as long and as if it's were... not far more story focused, then playing. I agree with your your sense of playing forty hours of a sixty hour game or sixty hours of an eighty hour game mm-hmm. of something that's primarily built on the back of its boss encounters and its thing. I think gives you a much more complete picture than trying to review Horizon without beating right. Because if I put in my review, I haven't beaten Elden Ring yet, but I've been playing for 80 hours and I can fully recommend it, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Elden Ring reviews where people are mad that it's so high. And I think I made either, I think I made the point to you where I'm like, it's ridiculous that people... No, it was to Blake, actually. Me and Blake were talking about privately. Where it's like, it's ridiculous to me that people are like, oh, this, isn't, this review doesn't... Uh, Represent the general public. Like, who gives a shit? Actually, I would say the general public is not going to finish Elden Ring. I'm going to. No, I'm going to say right now. I don't think that reviews ever are indicative of the general. No, public. but it's like the 97 percent is people who like Elden Ring or From Software reviewed a From Software game and love the From Software game. You should go into the 97 being like, most of these people like this game. These games. Right, like, why would you want? Like, I only play MLB the Show, and then you're like, "Can you review Elden Ring so we can get a populist view of That's the true reviews?" Too. That doesn't make any sense. You would put someone who likes FromSoft games, and then they're going to review it well because it's the second best FromSoft game behind Sekiro. That's true as well. But it's funny. There's this guy who's a troll on Twitter who yeah. his whole thing right now is talking bad about how Elden Ring's a terrible game for mm-hmm. this reason, this reason, this yeah. reason. It's a troll account. Oh, yeah. But people keep sharing it as if it's real. Oh, and it's funny watching it kind of go down because of exactly those things, right? right? He's acting as if he's somebody who is who you're describing. He's acting like he's someone who doesn't like their games but came in and was like, why is this game not like this? Why doesn't it have this mm-hmm. for me to be able to like this aspect of it? And I think... It, the weird thing about media and reviews and coverage for games in general is that it's hit a point <coughs> where I feel like it's really hard and, and more so than ever, like Saul and I have said a long time, you kind of have to, oh, hey, Matt Green, subscribe to us. Thank Matt you, Matt Green. Green. Thank you, sir. Blake, you subscribe too. Mwah, we love you. Anyway, um, 
So in looking at that, I think you have this situation where uh, Saul and I have kind of beat the drum for a long time. And I used to not feel this way for a long time, actually. But it, I think over the last seven to ten years, maybe, it's gotten even – it's continued to get more and more where you have to find a reviewer that you like their style, the mm-hmm. way the review is, the information that you can suss out from the review, even for the things that you may not agree with them on. Uh, and you have to find somebody who shares a sense of your general sensibility about gaming. Yeah. And the reason I say that is that we've gotten to this point where when a console review, like the the infamous Kotaku uh, PS5 review that we've joked about many times on the show, where a console's review is being talked about through the lens of social issues, mm-hmm. there's a disconnect between the market that is looking to you for information and what you are supplying and offering. Blake, I agree. Yeah, Blake says, I care more about Souls fans' opinions than people who hate Souls games' opinions, and that is important. Now, one of the interesting things about this game, while we're kind of talking about Elden Ring, is there are a handful, again, a small number, but a handful of reviewers who say that they don't normally click with Souls games, and yet this game has still found its way into right. uh, their, their good graces. And, and that is an important... I'm glad that those exist, because mm-hmm. it is nice for people who maybe have been on the outside looking into FromSoft games, who are like, they've never clicked with me. Is this the time it could click? Yeah. And I think when you have that situation, you can have people who work in reverse and be like, now I get FromSoft games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go retry Bloodborne. I'm going to retry Sekiro. Right. And I think that that's an interesting thing. And I, I would like it if there was a guy who was like, I've never played one of these. I don't know if I like it. And he reviewed it. And he was like, yeah, this game sucks. Zero out of ten. Cool. But I don't think that should affect the overall score of it because that's not the point. Do you remember when you and I were talking about yeah. doing videos of you, someone who's played very little, if not any, basically, of Final Fantasy games at the time? Yes. And having you go through and review each one as a person who doesn't typically mm-hmm. play those types of games? I think that there's a ton of value in a very specific sense of getting someone and saying, here is what me, outside looking in, not knowing what I was getting into, right. thinks of this title. Exactly. But... That's an interesting thing for a more retrospective thing of where me as someone who likes it can listen and be like, it's interesting to see how he views this game. Mm-hmm. Or someone who also is outside looking in can go, what can I take away from this that might be able to help me? Right. But I think most of the time when we're looking at video game reviews, most people are looking at them because they've already decided that they're on the fence about the game mm-hmm. to some degree. And this is the final thing of will I or won't I? Right. So I don't think it's as much of an outside looking in thing. And I, and. Also, I think we're talking about reviews from a more press perspective, whereas what we're talking about here with this like uh, blind review of somebody who goes in who doesn't play, excuse me, these types of games, is that that's more of an enthusiast standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something to be said about that to where someone who looked this up on YouTube and it was clear that you're not meant to be with the press and you're having this discussion, you're just filling an interesting niche. I don't know if the press can really do that. No, I don't think or so. at least not well. No, it's got to be some dude on YouTube who has like forty subscribers, and that's how he blows up because he's like, I want to make a Elden Ring review from a different perspective. You know what I mean? It's well, not- it's like what's that channel? And I didn't end up watching any of it, but I know it got really big, and I've been meaning to, and I just keep forgetting. Uh, isn't there like a girlfriend gamer reviews yeah, yeah. or something like that? I like and they're good. Isn't isn't the idea that she's really not much of a gamer, but she's giving you her non gamer thoughts yeah. on things? Yeah, you should you should watch them play like the Dark Souls and Bloodborne stuff because that's where it's the meat and potatoes. I love it. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. Blake says one more d- debate before you guys go. If someone, boy, I'm starving. If someone has three nipples and gets one removed but doesn't tell you, 
Would that make you upset? Not at all. Should they come out? I'd be more upset that they got the third nipple removed. Oh, Brett. I think I'm. I think I'm with Chris. Because then you got one for your mouth and two to tweak. What if they had three boobas? <laughs> boobas be the volume, base, and treble volumes on the person. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that this is a really interesting question in a very uh, that's community's take. <laughs> <laughs> In a very ridiculous way of him trying to basically troll with this, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it actually is a weird question. It's like, how important are nipples to the individual that they're talking about, you know? Depends or let's say, how important are, nice. are nipples to the average, everyday person? Well, no, it depends on if the nipples are nice, right? Like, if you got some gross-ass nipples, get one removed. But if oh, you hold got, on, like, hold a on. nice, perfect nip... Another question. Are we talking about the actual end of the nipple, or does it include an areola? Does this person have three areolas? What is a nipple without an areola? A pull. Is it just a mole? Yeah. <laughs> an odd-shaped mole? Yep. A sensitive <laughs> mole. All right, guys. Uh, community's take. How do you feel about someone having three nipples and getting cut off? Now, I think real community's take. I kind of like the idea of in what cases does it matter when a game is completed before review? Right. Bigger question and something that I've actually been really happy to see with this game that I think I'm curious if if a lot of people agree um, is that I feel like people have been very forthcoming with their reviews mm-hmm. about the completion status of yeah, the game. The review in progress also has been a new thing. Now the question that we haven't talked about, and maybe this is where we'll go with it next week, and when we're kind of doing something different, and I think it'd be worth having is what would happen if the industry just decided, hey. <laughs> I think I'll talk that. No. What what would happen if the industry just decided, hey, you sent us a code for a game that is eighty to a hundred hours worth of content a week in advance of the game's release? Mm-hmm. We're all going to de- de- decide to delay and push out our reviews as an industry in working with each other and not review the game until a week later so that people have two full work weeks in order to get this done. Now, that's a really idealistic view because at least one person would be like, I can get the ups on somebody by trying to beat this game as quickly as possible and getting it out past our agreed-upon review date. But the idea is, what would happen? What do we need to do to push developers to the point of, like, send codes early? And it's all about how everything is on the line, and that's the big problem. Um and numerical scores have uh, are a huge issue as well because of people up in arms about this being a 10 out of 10 game and what that means and all these different things um uh, so in in looking at those different things i think that there's just a lot that goes on where i don't see why we couldn't have waited two more weeks for elden ring to come out for the public so that the review copies could actually be done right but i have this idea that no matter what the developers are going to be like, well, it's not in the in the players' hands, so we're just going to keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking until it's until they're worried about the players, which is interesting. Well, the thing, especially with Elden Ring, is no game at this point comes out uh, perfect. As Blake said, ten is not perfect. Elden Ring. If anything, I would look at Elden Ring. Right? It's a it's a there's a lot of bugs. It's kind of a mess right now. So that to me indicates that the people playing the game liked it so much that in spite of the bugs, right? Because that's what we said about Cyberpunk, right? That game crashed 77 times for me in 117 hours. Still love that game. And I'll be honest, I I played it twice. I got the platinum. 77 crashes. That was almost a crash an hour, and I still got through it. And I would still recommend it to you. I would give it like an eight. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But there are people who make the argument that no, it should be a five because it doesn't run well. No, I love this enough despite the bugs that to me, without the bugs, probably a ten. So. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a big thing. I mean, when you can push past something, like it's it's really crazy when that happens, and you can go through to still get a ten. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for all the people that were wanting to give Cyberpunk, and I understand, I don't even begrudge anybody who says Cyberpunk is a five out of ten because the game literally won't work. It's not a that's not a bad review. No, that's it's actually pretty accurate. But even when you push through, when you actually look, and that's part of it, right? A review is of a product. It's not of a work. And I think that that's the big difference, is that me and you, to some degree, are looking at this at the standpoint of when, when I moved and continued through the, the buggy and iffy product, the work of art underneath it was still amazing. Exactly. And if I review the work of art, honestly, I may give Cyberpunk a 9 out of 10. I think that game is amazing, really good. It just happens to be wrapped up in a bad product form package. Uh, and I do understand the, the media's need to warn you because their their whole thing is whether you should or should not buy the game. I mean, that's kind of on the crux of it. Um, I would really love to see a media site that their entire goal was to view every single thing through the 100% enthusiast lens where every review they have is not about should you or should you not buy it because it's not worth $60, but rather should you or should you not play this game because of the intrinsic value of the work within it, regardless of bugs, regardless of anything. And you can talk about bugs and everything within your review, but you can talk about how the, the, it's so good to you despite the bugs and what that does to your thing. And you don't even have to have a score for that either. I think that would be really interesting. The way I write reviews myself is that my scoring system is based on how likely I am to recommend you the game not the on the merit of the quality of the game so a 10 is like there should there can still be flaws but no matter the flaws i still absolutely recommend you play the game yeah. and i cannot recommend it any more than that yeah i think that's a good way to view it too and i don't know every site says what their scoring thing is at and people still take it as 10 means perfect but people are stupid nothing is perfect no Except my never mind. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> oh God. Thank you all for tuning in to episode two fifty. Yes. Stay tuned for the live stream that's gonna follow. And if you're watching, you know, day of launch, stay tuned for the episode that comes out after this. Let me two fifty point five, I guess. Where we play some games on stream. All right, so. guys. We will be back in a little while. Keep on if you're wanting to be part of that. Uh, keep up with all the social media stuff. And we'll be posting there when we're going to go live. I don't want to put an exact time on it because we got a lot of moving and stuff to set up. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully in a, in a roughly like two-hour hour window, maybe. Uh, but we'll see. If, if I can cut it down, I absolutely will. Yeah. So, All right, guys. We'll see you all soon. See you. Thanks. Later.